0: 23, please rise and hear the reading of God's Word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's Word and all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. We have just completed a hard year. But then again, every year is a hard year in many ways. Life is hard, and then you die. 2020 was harder for some than for others, but that will be true for 2021 as well. It seems that the world has gone crazy, but crazy really isn't new. The world has been mad since the fall of man. And so it will, so it does continue, and that really shouldn't surprise us. Our personal lives are also subject to abrupt changes and interruptions. There's a lot that can go sideways or upside down. Perhaps this is why Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. David offers this prescription in Psalm 39, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths and my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best, at his best state is but a vapor. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Now all of this could sound quite pessimistic, a downer, unless, unless we gain some new perspective on things. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that life under the sun, if we were to just imagine for a moment life without heaven, without eternity, without God, if this is it, His conclusion, after examining all that he could, he said, it's vanity. It's all vanity. It's all emptiness. But the rest of the story is that life under the sun is not all there is. So we must look at life in a different context. For the unbeliever, this world is it. It's all they will ever have. It's here and it's now. Their only comfort is found in the momentary pleasures of this life. But we have a comfort in life and in death. That I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who, with His precious blood, has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me, Without the will of my heavenly Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Now, most of you are familiar with that statement from the Heidelberg Catechism. And I hope you've taken some time to ponder it. There's a reason it was placed first. So that if you had that, you'd have a lot. Most of you then know this, but our perspective, that is how we look at things, enables us to see things in a different light. To make sense of what otherwise would be scary or inexplicable. To find purpose even in suffering. To find hope even on the darkest of days. The 23rd Psalm is perhaps the most famous and familiar of all the psalms, if not all the scriptures. Yet many who can recite it have no genuine claim to it, and many who do have a claim to it fail to make use of it. It is short and to the point. It is easy to remember, and it's easy to pray so let's walk through the lyrics of this simple but profound song and be reminded perhaps as we travel this familiar path you will see some new things the lord is my shepherd the word lord in the english translation of the great uh is translation is of the great old testament personal name of for god which is yahweh This name was first disclosed to Moses at the burning bush, as told in Exodus 3, and then repeated more than 4,000 times in the pages of the Old Testament. The name literally means, I am who I am. It is an inexhaustible name. Like its bearer, chiefly it refers to God's timelessness on the one hand, and to his self-sufficiency on the other. Self-sufficiency means that God needs nothing. He needs no wisdom from anyone else. He has all the wisdom in himself. He needs no outside power because he is all-powerful, nor is he accountable to anyone. He answers only to himself. Timelessness means that God is always the same in these traits or these attributes. He was like this yesterday. He'll be like this tomorrow. He will be unchanged and unchangeable forever. He is the great I Am. And so no matter the circumstances, God is never challenged. He's never surprised. He's never caught off guard. Moreover, this psalm opens with another very powerful and personal declaration. Yahweh is my shepherd whether it's the world gone crazy or just a tuesday that's gone crazy having a personal shepherd makes all the difference shepherds had to live with the sheep 24 hours a day and had the, ta- the t- their task of caring for them was unending Day and night, summer and winter, in fair and foul weather, they labored, they nourished, they guided, they protected their sheep. The great God of the universe has stooped. He has condescended to take just such care of you and me. He is intimate with His sheep. He rules, He guides, He protects, He feeds They follow, they love, they trust, they obey. There is comfort in knowing that we individually and corporately belong to Yahweh. The Lord is my shepherd. Peter says that we are to cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. This statement is in the present tense. Right now... He is your shepherd. In John 10, Jesus says this, referring, this is referring to Jesus uh, himself. The sheep hear his voice, John says, and he call, or, or Jesus is describing a good shepherd, but he's applying it to himself. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them... And the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own as the Father knows me. Even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And again, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 29-31, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I mean, that opening line is just such a comfort. No matter what's going on, no matter what's swirling in your life or in the news or anywhere else, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd right now. I shall not want. Sheep lack everything. They are the most helpless of animals. But if we belong to the one who is self-sufficient and the one who is inexhaustible and utterly unchanged by time, if we belong to Him, we will lack nothing. He is sufficient for all things. He will provide for us. can expand a bit on the meaning of this word want by seeing how the Hebrew word is translated. It is translated as want seven times, lack six times, fail. We shall not fail three times. We shall not decrease. We shall not be abated. We shall have no need. We shall not be made lower. We shall not be bereaved. All my needs are met by my shepherd. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. His grace is sufficient for you. Wealthy men might want, they often do, but not the person whose God is the Lord. Psalm 34, oh, Fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lion lacks and suffer hunger, lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Jesus said one's life does not consist in the abundance of, things, of the things he possesses. Notice it's not only I do not want or lack, but I shall not want or lack. When John Newton wrote Amazing Grace for a New Year's Day service in his church, he specifically reflects upon the, on past grace, present grace, and the hope of future grace. I want to read the lyrics. You know most of them, but this is the original version. So, starting with the past grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed now note the transition to God's present grace through many dangers toils and snares I have already come his grace has brought me safe thus far and grace Will lead me home. And finally, Newton concludes with confidence in God's future grace. All the turmoil, didn't matter what was going on, here's how he looked ahead. The Lord has promised good to me. Is He working all things together for good? His word, my hope, secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yes, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine. But God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget to lie down. I'm too self-sufficient. But God's provision usually begins with rest. We might look around us and ask, what do I need to do? How can I fix this? How can I make it better? Well, along the way, in time, there will be many things for us to do, but we begin by resting in Him who has done everything for us. Jesus said, Come unto Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He also declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me will never go hungry. He who believes in Me will never be thirsty. Before He was crucified, He told His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's going to be all right. God's still on his throne. The scriptures are the green pastures. Man lives not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They are always fresh, they're always rich, never exhausted. He makes us to lie down. Sheep, you see, are prone to wander and to get themselves in danger and they will even starve. But the Good Shepherd tells us where we need to be. In the church, where the Word is, where we're fed, nourished, helped, loved, prayed for. He leads me beside the still water. In any turmoil, He is the source of calm just as he calmed the stormy sea for his first disciples. We've had occasion to cite this here recently a couple of times, but here we are again from Mark chapter 4. And the great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing and then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And so when you're tempted to fret or worry, when the news is disturbing, when the politicians are lying, when you, when you, when you think the wicked are winning and when you feel overwhelmed, where do you go and what do you do? Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says this. You, Yahweh, will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Pretty simple and straightforward. And you know Philippians 4 says Uh, 6 and 7, which I'll quote uh, quote here, but then I want to cite the following verses, which are also helpful in this context. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble... Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are, does this describe your thinking? Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think about these things. Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. He restores my soul. Psalm 23, waters are at rest. Or a resting place near waters where He leads us to the place of renewal, refreshment, and restoration. Psalm 46, 1-5 through 5, paints this picture. God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. World War Three. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn." To be restored is to be brought back. you ever need to be brought back? Do you ever need to, be, to, to remember? You see, in sorrow He gives comfort and relief. In sin He forgives and redeems. In weakness He strengthens. And so I ask you this morning, are you low on grace? Then pray to Him, restore to me the joy of Your salvation and uphold me. By your generous spirit. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what shall we do in the midst of turmoil? Both private or public. Well, settle down. Do the next right thing. Ultimately, we're all either under God's blessings or his curse. When the wicked appear to prosper, in due time the Bible says their foot shall slide. When the righteous appear to suffer, in due time, God will exalt them. Notice the plural, the paths of righteousness. Sanctification is a process, a work of God's Spirit, leaving behind the old ways of doing things, going down new paths of faith and obedience. Saved from our sins under righteousness, we still have many new paths to travel this is pure grace, and it is for His namesake. We bear His name. God is doing a work in us. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God is training us, teaching us, testing us, preparing us, equipping us. All those things for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This verse primarily speaks of the shepherd's ability to protect his sheep in moments of danger. The Christian life is not always tranquil, nor as we say, a mountaintop experience. There are valleys also. And it's in the valleys with their trials and dangers that we develop Christian character. Yet the valley has its own unique problem, and that problem is fear. What is the answer to it? Clearly the answer is the shepherd's close presence, for he is the only one who can protect the sheep and calm their anxieties. Matthew ten twenty-eight 28-31, And do not fear those who can kill the body and cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Again, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them, falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? John 10, Jesus said, And I give them eternal life. Talking about his sheep. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Psalm 23, 4 is a floodlight in the darkest of valleys. From birth to glory. Those are the twin peaks of our lives. We must all pass through this valley. Some whistle through the graveyard, but we walk without fear. It's only a shadow of death for the Christian, asleep in Jesus. Are you afraid? We're not. We shouldn't be. We're afraid of shadows. The shadow of a dog can't bite you. The shadow of a sword can't kill you. And the shadow of death can't destroy you. Fear no evil, for you are with me. There will be evil, but we won't fear it. Not even the evening news. Not even COVID. Not even the devil. Not even the last enemy. We have been given total security. Jesus said, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. John ten twenty eight. And I give them, the sheep, eternal life, and they shall never perish. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he chastens every son. The discipline of the Lord is a blessing that we're often prone not to be thankful for, but i ask you where would we be without it john calvin expressed it well in his commentary on this he said true believers although they dwell safely under the protection of god are notwithstanding exposed to many dangers or rather they are liable to all the afflictions which befall mankind in common and they may be and they may the better feel Uh, how much they need the protection of God. David, therefore, here expressly declares that if any adversity should befall him, he would lean upon the providence of God. Thus, he does not promise himself continual pleasures, but he uh, he fortifies himself by the help of God courageously to endure the various calamities with which he might be visited. Pursuing... His metaphor, he compares the care which God takes in governing true believers to a shepherd's staff and crook, declaring that he is satisfied with this as all sufficient for the protection of his life. As a sheep, when it wanders up and down through through a dark valley, is preserved safe from the attacks of wild beasts and from harm in other ways by the presence of the shepherd alone. So David now declares that as often as he, ha- as he shall be exposed to any danger, he will have sufficient defense and protection in being under the pastoral care of God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So David changes his metaphor here. Who or what are your enemies? We all have them. And we are not hunkered down in a foxhole living off of MREs. We are feasting in the presence of our enemies. God isn't concerned or worried that the enemies are all about. He says, let's have a feast. We'll show them. We ain't scared. Very shortly after the crucifixion, Jesus of Jesus when fear was high and hope was low. Here's what Peter said to the assembled crowd there on the day of Pentecost. Listen to this, it's glorious. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, he foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You anoint my head with oil. This is a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In David's day, perfumed oil was a luxurious blessing and, an on, and, and used toward honored guests. You'll remember from the Gospels that Mary came to Jesus having an alabaster flask of very costly, fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. God goes beyond simply meeting our bare necessities. He also lavishes us with far more than we can ask or think. While we're not like David in degree, nevertheless, there's not one of us who hasn't been abundantly blessed by God. And therefore, we should stir up our gratitude toward Him. The greater our benefits, the greater our thankfulness. Again, Calvin commented, If he is ungrateful, who, having only a coarse loaf, does not acknowledge in in that the fatherly providence of God, how much less can the stupidity of those be tolerated who glut themselves with the great abundance of of, of the good things of God which they possess without having any sense or taste of His goodness toward them. My cup runs over. We're all overflowing with benefits and blessings. There's not one of us here today that's not rich. We're surrounded by abundance. We must therefore be overflowing. And this is, this is one hand God has blessed us that way, but then the question is, is there a reciprocal abundance of thanksgiving, of gratitude? We must therefore then learn contentment and not grumble. Do we have to lose all these blessings in order to be grateful? I remember reading about prisoners in World War II who were grateful for the smallest things. I remember one in Dachau. He said he got a hold of some eggshell and he savored it. His body was craving calcium. So he said, I took that eggshell and I chewed it to the finest powder I could to get that nourishment. I remember another who was on a loaded on one of the train cars taken to take into the prison camp. And she said, right that moment, I thought, if I could just be sitting in a rocking chair with a book. Actually, that was in, headed to the gulag in Russia. If I could just sit in a room in a rocking chair with a book. See, when we lose everything, then suddenly its value is increased Our cups are running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Covenant blessings. These are our twin guardian angels. Goodness and mercy. God is always good. All the days of my life. Rainy days, sunny days, fasting and feasting. We are confident about the future because of these promises of God. He will never leave us or forsake us. Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And finally, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great ending to this short psalm. David recognized that all the blessings he had had or ever would receive came in the context of God's covenant people. The household of faith, both now and now, And forever. Where would you be. Without the church. Please don't take her for granted. This is the place of safety. This is our ark. The heart of God's covenant. I will be your God. And you shall be my people. This is the blessing. Within all our other blessings. So let's. Let us give thanks. Let's pray. Thank you, O Lord, for being our shepherd, for knowing us and loving us, for laying down your life for your sheep, your promises and protection, as well as your leading and feeding. Enable us to rest and be restored in our souls. Help us now to remember these simple but profound truths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. And so we pledge to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, indeed to teach men and nations all things whatsoever you have commanded. We acknowledge that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Bless now this day of rest. Bless our feasting together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord make His countenance, uh, lift lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.